You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't done so, please make sure to go ahead and subscribe and share Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate and review the program. Actually, you also see it on our YouTube channel, Cannabis Radio. Make sure to look for that. All the episodes also drop in there for you. And of course, Amazon Music, Google, all major platforms. Thank you for finding the show. Now, we're going to talk about the great state of Maryland here on the program. The Associated Press reported that Maryland has become the 23rd state to legally sell adult-use cannabis. About 100 stores that have already been licensed to sell Cannabis for medicinal purposes has begun selling it recreational, and that's more than five years after the state started selling medical marijuana. Now, hopefully, we get the same thing in Maryland will happen to Florida coming up in 2024. So for me, there's a personal interest to see how this rolls out. And that look at how far does you know the country's come right now. We're almost at halfway, half the states, you can almost say literally half because District of Columbia is included having half of the country covered right now with adult use cannabis. That's a wonderful thing right now. I'm welcome to want to go and talk about the changes in Maryland. And with me is one of those dispensary owners with several large dispensaries in Columbia and Baltimore, Maryland. <clears throat> I'm here with the co-chief executive officer of Remedy, Maryland, Brandon Barksdale. Brandon, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you making time to go and talk with us. I'm glad we had the chance to go ahead and set this up. And for those that might not have had a chance to hear your backstory, I would tell you to go ahead and refer you back to Plant Profits, where uh, when you were with uh, Dalwini Farms, that people should go ahead and take a listen to the backstory and where you came from and you're on your way up to where you are today. Make sure to check that episode out. Now, first of all, WJZ TV, the CBS affiliate in Baltimore, they reported that the first week of adult use in Maryland has been profitable, extremely profitable. Residents spending more than almost $21 million of dispensaries. And they reported, quote, this early windfall 
offers a glimpse at what officials believe could ultimately become a billion-dollar industry for Maryland, end quote. So you have a couple of stores. You actually just recently opened a 10,000-square-foot superstore in Columbia, Maryland. Talk to me about the turnout and response that Remedy Maryland has already seen so far. Yeah, Brasco, it's been really great. I mean, the first day we saw um, well over 2,000 people, which was amazing um, across our two stores. And just seeing the amount of new customers coming in compared to the medical market um, has been exponential. So, I mean, right now we're we're all just kind of trying to adapt operationally. And as you know, there's a lot of legislative changes that are, are constantly coming down on a daily basis and just being able to adapt and react to those and get those implemented to be able to have smooth operations for our customers. And right off the bat, because of adult use, I mean, how many new faces do you happen to, did, you, did your team happen to see aside from the normal group that already has, you know, medical marijuana, marijuana cards and we're able to go and visit this facility? Uh, it kicked off with about 3X almost and uh, wow. 4X in some cases. So it was, <laughs> um, it was really great. Um, again, like I don't think anyone actually knew what to expect going into July 1 because it's not, you know, any type of foresight you can have into what the, the demand may be. So everyone was preparing for, you know, whatever they thought was the market um, multiplier. And from there, just try to make the best decision that they could to gear up for, for adult use. So I think it was, um, I think it was really great. I think everybody's very pleased with the initial turnout. Obviously we have a long road ahead of us um, in terms of uh, growing the market. And so, um, you know, Maryland being one of the um, busier, you know, um, the busier interstates going from north to south and south to north, we get a lot of out of state traffic as well. Um, with people driving, you know, up and down 95, getting to wherever they're going. And so we're seeing that traffic trickle in as well. So it's it's just going to be an interesting journey. So we're all looking forward to it. No doubt about it. Now, existing medical marijuana businesses were able to convert their licenses into adult use licenses so that people would have a place to buy legal cannabis. And lawmakers took that approach, hoping that easy to access and affordable legal cannabis would squash the black market from day one of legalization. So we'll talk about the illicit market later on. But first, I'll just talk to me about the transition that you had. I don't know if other states had this same transition, but to get the transition to go ahead and go from medical to adult use, especially for Remedy Maryland. Yeah, I mean, all the medical stores, there's um, about 100 um, dispensaries that were operating in the medical market. Um, all of those dispensaries have the opportunity to be grandfathered in um, with a like conversion application and obviously fees associated with it. Um, so um, it was just really just getting your, your paperwork documented on, on that you had interest in moving to a um, adult use recreational store. Um, and then um, again, the application process was pretty seamless. Um, the fees were what they were. Uh, so um, yeah, I think everybody that wanted to continue on in a recreational capacity was able to do so. Um, as long as you were part of the you know, originated medical licenses. Now, I want to ask one thing when it comes to what people have been saying about the actual sales here. I was looking just actually today, there was a story that came out about the one of the presidential candidates, Glenn Youngkin, the governor of uh, Virginia, that sees what's going on in Maryland, but doesn't look at anything where they're going to make any move to their market. So with that said, you have D.C. that's close to you, and I don't, I'm really trying to think about what the other joining states there are, I don't believe, that have medical, that don't have adult use right now. So 
with that going on, what do you think about the fact that this was I mean, the, the difficulty of making sure that this state would turn adult use? Was there a lot that you saw right here that, you know, will, is there going to be a lot more people that will still be continuing from Virginia now that legal cannabis is in Maryland? They could just make the drive over or from other adjoining states. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, from like a Delaware, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, I can definitely see that cross-border traffic, um, even with Virginia as well. Um, I think, you know, D.C. creates a, a unique um, variable, given that they're still operating in a great capacity. Um, their their medical market is a little more lenient as well um, in terms of um, self-prescribing and things of that nature. So, you know, I think, you know, generally anyone that's coming from around the D.C., Maryland and Virginia area has either had access to or could easily get access to, you know, cannabis if they if they chose to. Um, the northern states um, and the states to, to our east and west, you know, definitely um, have some some broader limitations. Right. And so, you know, I definitely see that traffic trickling over the borders and those bordering dispensaries are definitely seeing ample business. Um, from that cross-border, you know, traffic, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I don't I don't believe that um, those states coming um, online to, you know, to our south will, will impact us that, you know, that broadly. Um, and, I mean, obviously, there, there would be some implications from, you know, like a Delaware, Pennsylvania, West Virginia perspective. But, um, you know, I think there's um, a strong enough demand for for medical and recreational cannabis in the state of Maryland that, you know, we have a pretty healthy, um, we have a pretty healthy economy um, for it to be able to substantiate it. And it's interesting, Washington Post actually brings up the whole bring idea of where the landscape is right now, because Baltimore, or to me, Maryland, excuse me, is the one state in the mid-Atlantic states right now that has adult use. And one of the issues that Virginia is dealing with, while it's medical, has been the illicit market. But now, this is where, just like in New York, when they finally got themselves to adult use or recreational, I always like to get used adult use. I always got trained, you know what, NCA always trying to kind of tell me, call it adult use. You don't have to call it recreational. It's okay. It's both are all very well acceptable. The thing is that Virginia will continue to have the issues with the illicit market, but Maryland, this all changes. And like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but I want to go to commercial break. Okay. And when, I, when we come back, I want to just ask you some issues when it comes to social equity which now that we're into the space here, New York, we see what the comparisons are with what they've done with social equity and other markets. And I want to see what Maryland has been doing this in the same vein. And I want to ask you about the, the limitations on possession and what you're able to go ahead and buy and, you know, how much you can go to remedy Maryland and go pick up at one of your dispensaries, how much you're able to go and get that there are a bit of limitations that I don't know how specific or strict it might be, but I'd love to get your take on it. So I'm here with the co Chief Executive Officer at Remedy Maryland, Brandon Barksdale here on Blunt Business. We're back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. 
Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome back to Bloom Business. I'm here with the co-CEO of Remedy Maryland, Brandon Barksdale. By the way, if you want to take a look at the website while we're going on with the interview, uh, the website is RemedyMaryland.com. Make sure to go look for that, RemedyMaryland.com. And Brandon, more licenses are going to be distributed early, distributed early next year with an emphasis on addressing equity concerns for minority and women-owned businesses. And the law is allowing the Maryland Cannabis Administration to issue additional grower, processor, and dispensary licenses and new incubator licenses over two licensing rounds. That's what was the plan on doing this when the rollout of adult use came in. Now, the State Department of Commerce now, uh, they're now instilling that second round of funding to help social equity cannabis businesses with operational costs to open their shops. And they're going to be opening up applications for a, a $40 million grant that's being funded for social equity applicants and pre-approval will be starting August 1st. And the money will be coming from the Maryland uh, the Maryland Cannabis Business Assistance Loan. So I don't know if I've asked or if we've talked about at all your entry into the space with a medical license converting it to adult use. But what can you tell me in terms of social equity, the importance that Maryland has made compared to what we would see in, say, New York State? Yeah, I think um, our incoming governor definitely made it a, a priority to address um, the um, inequities around cannabis, for sure. So, you know, social equity is on the height of the priority list and on part of every conversation. Um, you know, some of the funding and 
application, you know, processes, the information is still being disseminated. So, you know, we haven't really quite got our, our hands around what that process is going to look like. You know, all we know is that, you know, there there will be set aside license wise, there will be set aside business wise to help create a, a stable um a stable um economy for um those social equity incubator micro licenses. And so, you know, I think as we kind of get more information and more becomes widely available, you know, we'll start to see how that plan unfolds. Um, you know, but we also have to be extremely supportive. I mean, a lot of these people a lot of the people that will be applying um for micro licenses, a lot of the social equity applicants, it'll be their first time operating um, you know, cannabis um uh cannabis um uh, verticals and so or horizontals. And so it'll be super important to try to, you know, get them in tune, you know, to to our market, our industry, and make that knowledge as widely available as possible and kind of create more of like, again, that that incubator um, knowledge share. Um, that's extremely important for people to be successful. Um, I think Maryland had a, a really mature medical market um, that went really well. And so being able to leverage from those experiences and, and um, disseminate that information for people to be able to um, learn from, you know, the contractors, the prior employees, the business owners that, you know, existed in that market. I'm going into adult use and, and some of the newer licenses that are coming online. This is going to be really, really important. So um, hopefully that momentum continues. Uh, I think it will. Um, I know the state is still collecting information from, you know, some of the uh, grandfathered in um, operators. And so, you know, I'm sure that information is being aggregated and used to determine how many licenses to determine, you know, who's on like the pre-approved list from, you know, a list of, um, um, you know, different suppliers, you know, and, and um, professional service organizations that have supported the industry in the past. And so um, I'm really hoping that all that information just gets disseminated in a way that's, that's effective for, for those um, applicants coming online. So comparison with New York, New York, actually, they're awarding 50% of all their adult use licenses to social and equi economic equity applicants. And most recently, marijuana businesses have already secured $150 million in private investment for the social equity fund that happened just recently in, in June. When you look at the levels that's going on here, while New York's getting all that wonderful, you know, they're doing such a, they're doing as good as they can be with getting enough licenses out there. The conditional adult use retail dispensary or card licenses out there. But we've had people we've brought on that have talked to us about the issues when it comes to you know, the inspections, you know, trying to open up with a soft opening, then having to go and open up a pop-up, they're able to go and have retail sales, then be able to go and open up the facility, and that the paperwork has gotten very much mounting and has really, you know, has not been very streamlined. So people have been having that issue, but in New York also, they have, what, 10,000 plus portable dispensaries out there that are selling illegally once adult use came into play. When you look at that right there, what can you tell me in terms of what you see Maryland doing right now to help streamline the process of social equity licensing so that when new licenses are going to be coming up again, they're going for April 1st for pre-approval into this business assistance loan. What can you tell me? Have you heard a lot about the process and how, if that has been difficult or has it been much more streamlined taking a, a page from what New York might've been doing to do better? Um. I mean, again, the 
prior application processes have been very streamlined, you know, from a medical perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, The conversion going into recreational has been very streamlined. I can't imagine that the social equity, you know, application process will will not be streamlined. And so, you know, I think the state is learning and, and ramping up from a resource perspective to be able to support in whatever facet that they need. Um, and I think as it relates to, you know, policing, um, uh, policing and driving compliance, you know, within um, the state around, you know, cannabis activities operationally, like from a retail perspective, cultivation, manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, they're on it. I mean, we've gotten three visits from the NCA, you know, and it hasn't even been, you know, we're just going into our third week here. Um, so, you know, I think that we will continue to see that effort. I think we'll continue to see that momentum until, until things start to stabilize and even past that. And so I, I think there'll be, you know, ample support and streamline processes on a governing level to be able to make sure those applicants make it to, to market um, efficiently. So without going into full detail, there was a story I wanted to take from DC News Now, talking about the fact that now there is more more increased demand because of adult use. And there's one particular uh, company they talked to that talked about trying to be able to match their supply to the increased demand and that they've had to amp up production once legalization came into play for recreational cannabis having to expand their cultivation and increase partnerships in the state to meet the demand. What can you tell me was any, what you did to prepare for any changes because of the supply and demand that was going to come to your stores? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously we were a little um, optimistic um, and rightfully so in the sense that, you know, we went from a 4,000 square foot location to two 10,000 square foot stores. And so um, I think, you know, we wanted to make sure we had the operational capacity, front of house and back of house to be able to um, effectively um, support the additional demand that was coming to market. Um, and then leading into July 1, obviously, there's a resource ramp. There's an inventory component to it that we wanted to make sure that we were, were stocked to be able to, to meet the demand. And again, a lot of that was unknown on what it was. So we tried to create a lot of variable components. We tried to create um, a, a good spread of inventory um, that, you know, had very, you know, solid skew diversity to be able to meet whatever the demand it was for those particular, um, those particular, um, you know, customers that were coming online. And I think we did just that. So I'm very happy for that. So since we talked about supply and demand, let's go ahead and talk about the supply that individual cannabis users can have in Maryland, because there's something specific that people need to know. After the ballot measure was passed by voters in November, it made it legal for people 21 and older to possess up to one and a half ounces of cannabis, up to 12 grams of concentrated cannabis, or a total amount that does not exceed 750 milligrams of THC. And Marylanders are allowed to grow up to two plants in home, but they have to make sure that they have permission from the homeowner and keep the plants out of public view. And the Maryland Cannabis Administration told the Washington Post that recreational users, this is important, can be cited for possessing more than one and a half ounces of cannabis in that limit, even if they grow it at a home. And a civil fine can be applied to people in possession of between one and a half and two and a half ounces of cannabis and possessing more than two and a half ounces could result in criminal charges. So, Brandon, talk about what you know about these set limitations, the measures that you have to make in the stores. I mean, is it something that you have to be policing yourself 
about how much people are buying from the stores? And, you know, are you concerned about the fact that people are going to be worried about how much they can have, that this is going to be really enforced? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be enforced. I think that the um, way that we enforce it and the way some of the systems and technology support us in enforcing it um, are, are very strong. Uh, everybody gets a customer profile. Everybody's profile is attached to their um, state driver's license. So, you know, we see exactly how much people have purchased in a day. We know exactly what the medical allotments are at any given point in time. Um, the compliance around that is very strict. And so with that, we feel, you know, very, very confident that we'll be able to um, continue to be, you know, that um, that compliant. And I think this is ample, um, it's ample supply, you know, for someone to be able to use from a, a medical perspective um, with the limitations that are set there with allotments, um, as well as, you know, for recreational use. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty standard across, you know, adult use states and, you know, I don't, I don't see this being completely out of line from that. And I think it's, it's definitely a, a fair amount um, for, for any one person to, to hold or possess unless you were operating business. And I wasn't sure about that because that, that's one of the first times I actually read a story where they actually, I got to go and see the layout of how much you were able to go and have. The one thing you definitely, is not outlier because of the fact that there is home grows that are allowed, which is some states do not have at the moment, which is good. But overall, I mean, what Maryland's done right now and what you're able to go and work with, talk to me about what you feel is the room for growth. Since everything's all laid out, I mean, do you feel like the plan right now really makes it inevitable that growth for Remedy Maryland is going to be pretty easy to go and make happen because what adult use rollout has already come out is very equitable and very comparable to other states, and it's not something overly strict or stringent. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be room for growth. I mean, you know, we see every market that comes online and it always scales up before it plateaus. Um, and I think that we haven't got to that plateau or that coast yet. We're still seeing um, a strong amount of new customers every day. Um, and that has not um, that has not changed from July 1. And so I think as long as we continue to see that momentum, you know, there's definitely, you know, uh, um, some additional things to look forward to, as it, you know, as it relates to like growth in the marketplace. Um, and when the additional licenses come online, obviously that slows a little bit, but um, I think it's, it's all fair. And I think it's, it's healthy competition. Um, I think the state will have to continue to assess and look at, you know, overall market spend, right. And, and make that discernment on, on where the right level of balance is. Um, for from operators to to consumers and customers, um, and as long as there's the right ratio of that to create, you know, the the healthy space for the social equity applicants and the existing businesses that were grandfathered in to to stay healthy, to stay profitable, and, and give them some room for for growth and market capture, uh, we should be in a good place. Um, the only time that that um, only time that seemingly doesn't work or, or isn't in favor of those businesses who will be investing a lot and, and looking for, you know, some, um, some business life cycle event that will, will, will help them, you know, set the, their futures and the futures of their families. I think that, 
it, it starts to become unfavorable when the state stops paying attention. Um, and so as long as, you know, we're, we're constantly looking, constantly assessing it and starting to understand where that tipping point is, um, I think that and you have to leave room also, right? Like you have to leave room. You can't take it all the way up to like the, you know, that, that capacity where, you know, people are, are, are losing um, businesses and losing, you know, their, their own fortunes to be able to, you know, make this happen. And I think that the state has to be understanding of that. And as long as they're supportive of it, I think we'll end up in a good place. Um, I mean, that's the longer story short. Right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up very, very shortly after a commercial break. When we come back, I want to go and ask you about the Alyssa market. We talked about it, kind of teased it off the top. We're going to go ahead and talk about what has been said about that so far. And I also want to get just the concept of Remedy Maryland, your new 10,000 square foot superstore and your store within a store concept. We're going to talk about that here. Final questions with Brandon Barksdale, co-CEO of Remedy Maryland. Website is RemedyMaryland.com. Take a look at that as we go to break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're in the home stretch. I'm here on Blunt Business with Brandon Barksdale, the co-CEO of Remedy Maryland. And I want to ask one more thing for the Washington Post. A lot of things they brought up about Maryland and the rollout of adult-use cannabis that happened on July 1st. And, of course, 20, $21 million in sales, which is wonderful for everybody out there, including yourselves. Uh, so the illicit market is taking a hit. Now, the state lawmakers told the Washington Post that they see legalizing cannabis would tamp down on the legal market for the drug, providing a safer regulated product. And there are some jurisdictions like Colorado that have seen an increase in the black market. Uh, Prince George's County's state attorney, Asia Brave Boy, said officials think it can be would be because people felt more comfortable possessing cannabis once it became legal, leading to more sales on the illegal market. So. With that said, adult use now as the illegal market, have you seen any real significant changes, any stories about more stores that are popping up illegally or anything like what New York's been seeing and how adult use could curb the impact on it? If you feel like there's a, if that's a concern going forward 
that we're going to see an increase now that people just realize, okay, well, you can have it and um, possess it. Yeah, we haven't seen anything like that just yet. Um, I don't know that we will. Um, I think that uh, what's happening in in New York is is a little different. Um, I think, you know, Maryland was a little more prepared, obviously, with states like New York as a prime example, um, to to drive um, speed to to getting to adult use and not leaving a lot of room for um, interpretation. And I think that that helps a lot. Uh, when I look at, you know, the the way the entire program is structured, I mean, it, it is to make it um, comparable to the illicit market from a dollar for dollar exchange, which is why the taxes are set up the way they are. Um, and I think that, again, that just helps everyone across the board to get safer products to to medical patients, to get safer market, uh, safe, safer products and SKUs to, to adult use customers as well. And so I think that we are, are seeing that play out. Um, now what happens in the long road um, is, you know, um, I mean, no one knows, but I think that um, right now everyone feels pretty comfortable that we can definitely stabilize it. Um, and what you saw in Colorado is probably primarily driven mm. off of the lack of attention to the overall market and number of licenses that were coming online and some of the cultivators and, and growers um, that weren't capped, um, you know, just literally fighting for survival um, at that point. Um, and I think, you know, we, we see some of that um, play out in, in states that, you know, came online a little earlier. And, you know, now that we're able to dial it in um, and have better examples to, to base, you know, the, the newer market coming online off of, you know, those legislative um, those legislative rounds aren't making the same uh, same mistakes. So, so let's go and talk about Remedy Maryland and the setup now, where you now have a great setup where you have Baltimore, you have a store there, and then thirty minutes southwest of uh, Baltimore proper, you have this ten thousand square foot superstore. I want to go and ask about that now. It's been open up for seven months, and the idea was you were going to be offering in the space unique experiential events for the cannabis community, an open floor plan to give a store within a store model, allowing patients and adult use consumers to explore brands and products and a one of a kind dispensary experience. Well, now you have this full scale adult uses here. Talk to me about how the store is put together. You have a lot of brand selection, product exclusivity, and a very more robust menu in the state. Talk about what's been set up so far. I mean, exactly what you just described. So, I mean, our store is 10,000 square feet. It, you know, we have um, a, a very, very large parking area. It's, it's meant to accommodate a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, for us, you know, the store within the stores allows suppliers um, to be able to debut their brands. Um, so they have, um, again, their own um kind of nordstrom bloomingdale's like setup where they're able to display their products the way that they see fit um which is um uh, a unique kind of approach to to a cannabis dispensary and you know with them being able to debut their brand and and, and showcase themselves the way that aligns with you know their brand management and their brand direction it also um gives them a chance to put themselves in the base best forward facing um, uh, picture to the end consumer. 
Um, and typically that's something that's skipped and the dispensary has that authority, but we wanted to make sure we tried to bridge that gap. And so, you know, it does allow us to partner better with our, our suppliers, um, which is great. Um, so we do get, you know, certain products that you know a lot of other dispensaries don't. And then we also drive our own in-house products where we're able to, to again, drive some ex- exclusivity um, around um, the products that we carry and the skis that we carry versus others. So um, it does drive a unique experience. You know, it's definitely more of like a total wine, you know, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's type of uh, model when you stop in our store. And um, I think people notice the difference. It's definitely a different uh, customer experience with activations, learnings, um, you know, artistic elements, and it, it just drives a different experience. So, um, you know, I want to ask about that because in, in that experience, first of all, the partnerships you put together just from when you initially opened in December, this new superstore, Cookies, Green Thumb, Sun Med, Truly Curio Wellness and Holistic Industries already setting up. But then the other part you just said right now, I want to unpack that. The store within a store, I think of Macy's, you know, they have Toys R Us, they have Finish Line, they have, uh, and I forget the other one, I can't think right now, but like they have particular brands in their own sections within the store. JC putting out like with Sephora they used to have, but now but they have their own section. It's that same kind of uh, concept in the stores. And the idea where you have this is that it's like branded beauty counters in traditional department stores. The concept brings all these names together. So when you bring that all out and you really have this real set where from, from my perspective, it's to see what a national dispensary would be. Like if it would be a store that had changed across the country, you're creating that model already right now. That's correct. Um, that's exactly what the layout mm. and, uh, and the structure is set up for to be able to build and replicate it and also to create a framework that works for them um, and a complete vertically integrated perspective. Um, and I think, you know, with us being horizontal, it gives us the best kind of framework to be able to do that um, because we're able to focus on what's mo- most important, which is the um, product quality and the end customer experience. And so that's our primary motivation um, and making sure that people have a, a seamless and, and, and strong, fun, but efficient, you know, retail experience. And so that's a definitely a huge differentiator. The partnerships that we set up are definitely, you know, um, partnerships that are from large single state operators to large multi-state operators. And so being able to, to bridge that, replicate that, and drive down this path of, of, of growth for, for Remedy is, is going to be um, something that we're all looking forward to because I think it's definitely um, something needed in this space. So let's go and talk about the, the show, the, the store itself, remedymaryland.com. And of course, you can find all the information over on the website, remedymaryland.com, and a lot of different products there. With as a good deals, talk to me about really what's been standing out and what you could tell us in terms of. What have been the big, the biggest sellers right now? What's been going off the shelves the most right now for those that have been coming in the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, flour always is going to be our top top mover. Um, we're definitely starting to see um, edibles pick up in sales as well. Um, the adult use market is is um, definitely buying um, and balancing some of the the lower potency items, um, like from in like a micro dose type fashion. So we're definitely seeing those use pick up versus the medical market where um, you know, higher dosage is, is more effective for, you know, uh, acute wellness um, implications. And so for us, we're definitely seeing the, the, 
the spread of um, brand awareness and and dosage and and testing um, results across terpenes, THC, et cetera, um, start to spread. Um, which is which is great. It shows that you know we do have a healthy market. Shows that people are exploring different products, and, and again, we're just trying to continue to build that knowledge base so people know exactly what it is that they're consuming. So um, you know, we definitely see you know disposables and carts kind of tailing um, after edibles, and so um, the pre rolls um, have definitely also picked up dramatically. And so you know, all these are just um, different components that are showcasing that, you know, the, the rec market is here and, you know, they're, they're definitely doing what we would have expected them to do, um, which is explore the, the, the easier products that are, are ready to go, the lower dosage products that give people more of an entry into uh, cannabis and, and, you know, we're continuing to see that spread. So we just want to keep continuing to diversify SKUs. We want to continue to do most of the traditional retail things that, um, that we see successful in, in other uh, commodities or in other industries. And so, um, yeah, we're just following suit. I look at the brands on the website, so many, and a lot of them, I know we've already talked to either on, on Blunt Business or Grassroots Marketing. I look at Juana, I see Tyson 2.0, Ric Flair Drip, and Muse. Uh, I saw G Leaf is in there. Like there's so many brands in here. That's amazing what you got. And interesting, you talk about how much people are buying flour is do you see where among the sales is it in some cases I've seen where edibles has definitely have been a larger percentage of sales for a lot of dispensaries in other states. If you had to go ahead and look at it right now, what would be the preference? Is it flour versus edibles? Is it definitely is it flour much more prominent than it is edibles or vapes or tinctures? Yeah, that's what I was describing earlier. But yeah, so flour would be our most prominent driver. Um, uh, of sales right now, edible second to that. And then next would be kind of carts, disposable um, uh, vapes and uh, tinctures. It's fascinating. Um, I, I like that. The, the, concentrates, the concentrates are only left for the medical market right now. Uh, so until that changes, um, you know, it, it leaves it out for, um, for, for adult use or recreational customers. Fantastic. So with that said, remedymaryland.com, that's where you go and find out more about it. And of course, visitor stores in Baltimore and Columbia, Maryland. And Brandon, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us about the Maryland market. Congratulations on the market and hope you got a good chunk of those millions of dollars in sales and hopefully all just continues. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Brasco. Anytime. Um, you know, you're always welcome. And we're glad to have you on again. Brandon Barksdale, co-CEO of Remedy Maryland here on Blunt Business. Thanks for being on. And for listeners, thank you for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.